Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. It is Pastor Tice, whenever he started this summer, it was about 70 degrees in June, and um, Pastor Matt, whenever he started this series, it was about 80 degrees, and they left, and they left me with 115 degrees, but it's good to see you today in the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be here. We're going to be talking about fearless today, and I love this time of the year, and so we're going to be in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23, don't you love our country? Oh, I love our country. So thankful for it. Now, this is not a perfect country, obviously. We're about 250 years. Just a couple years from now, it'll be 250 years um, of the freedoms that we've been able to experience. I absolutely love this country. And as I said before, though it's not a perfect country, definitely thankful for the people, the men and women who sacrifice uh, to preserve our freedoms, but also the men and women who came to this country to uh, kind of start our freedoms. I love this time of year. In fact, there are times over the course of the year that you just have watched certain movies. You know the ones that I'm talking about, about maybe five, six months from now, we'll be dusting off, probably four or five months from now, be dusting off the Hallmark movies, getting ready just in time for Christmas. How many of you are excited about that? Yeah, a few of you guys are like, ah, yeah, that's not going to be a good one. Um, I love this time of year because we usually pull out some patriotic movies. And I love this. My wife and I, we, uh, we watch um, a lot of the things that we watch. We'll watch on a device called ClearPlay. Maybe you've heard of it. It takes out, you know, the, uh, it takes out um, some things that shouldn't be there. There takes out the foul language. I always leave the violence full throttle many of the times. And so um, I love, I love this time of year. We watch a couple of the movies that we watch is uh, The Patriot. Uh, you love Mel Gibson toward the last scene there. He's, he has the flag and he's shoving people out of the way. He's stabbing a couple people with the bottom of the flag and he's like, I'm like, yeah, freedom! And uh, really feel this like overwhelming sense of, uh, I was going to say pride, but pride isn't good. For the oversensing, overwhelming delight being in America. Then we watch um, uh, movies like uh, Black Hawk Down, and you're like, oh, motion of sorrow. But then, then the good happens, and they, they're able to save that team. There's another movie that uh, is an old classic, Behind Enemy Lines, where, where somebody gets shot down, and they go in, and they save them. We love watching movies uh, during these times. In fact, we can be filled at different times with passion and emotion. In fact, after watching those movies, I'm like, yeah, where's the nearest uh, recruiter? I'm going to go sign up, and I'm excited. I'm charged. And then Charity reminds me, Neil, you're a little too old. And I thought, kids, let's go fight for America. And, uh, And so... Um, yes, I love America. I'm very thankful for the country that we're in. In fact, our emotions have a way of impacting our lives. Uh, when you watch uh, towards Christmas time, you watch a, a kid that comes across a, a television screen that uh, has not eaten for a while or been malnourished and their, their abdomens are, are very much protruding. You feel bad. You feel 
you feel this sense of compassion to want to help. I saw this past week. I was looking at my, um, my social media feed, and I came across this dog who had the, the, the left side of that dog was perfectly fine, but that dog had developed a tumor, and his eye had just sagged a little bit, and it was weighing it down. And I just thought, oh, how horrible. Our emotions many times play a huge role in our life. As we come to the 23rd Psalm, David, too, has been feeling, and running from Saul at this point, but he's been feeling overcome by emotions. Some of the emotions that he's felt is the sense of tiredness, the sense of lack of security, the sense of discomfort. But I, I would also say that there's some fear that he has faced as well. Thinking back, there are some times in our life where we are overcome by fear. I'm sure in our own lives that we can think where we've made decisions based on fear. Maybe it was the right decision. Maybe you're looking back and thinking, I wish I would have done things a little differently. As we talk today about this idea of fearlessness, overcoming fear, I want to point to uh, this passage in Psalm 23, and I want to express to us this morning that we can be overcomers. The fear that we face, we can excel and achieve and find confidence in Christ. Uh, if you're there at Psalm 23, which is where we're going to be at this morning, say, I got it. Good job. So let's look at it this morning, Psalm 23. The Bible says this, the Lord is my, what's that next word? Shepherd. Yeah, he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He, um, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Can you say that last phrase together with me this morning? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, I thank you so much for the, the great victory that you've had over death, over hell, and the grave. I thank you, Lord, for your peace that you want to give us in our life. Lord, we face fear in our life. We face difficulty and challenges. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to personally recognize in our life who you are. May we accept those challenges and overcome those challenges, but looking forward to the blessings that you have for us in our life today. God, may we find freedom through you. May we, ha may we have hope in you, and God, may we leave here today ready, charged, excited about having victory over freedom and I, over uh, fear, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This passage, as I mentioned to you moments ago, was written by a man named David. He was fleeing from Saul, Saul who was, who was so apt to trying to get him, to defeat him, to kill him, and yet as he's writing this psalm, much of what we're going to see, he's going to be painting pictures of things in his life that he's going to. David was in constant danger, but yet as this envy was burned in Saul, we see that God 
kind of leads him. As we come to that first passage, we see the Bible says there that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This idea of being fearless, we want to see God help us in our life to overcome fear. The first way that we overcome fear in our life is this idea of personal uh, recognition. Personal recognition. Here, God, um, or here, David, as he's speaking of Jehovah, speaking of God, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If we were to, in fact, the Greek or the Hebrew is translated in the the Old Testament, if we were to translate that based upon the Hebrew itself, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, it could also read this, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. He gives me everything that I need, so much so that there is no desire or longing for anything else because I do not lack. God gives to me, as David is trying to share this, he understood what sheep were like. He understood what sheep were like. In fact, there's a man by the name of Philip Keller. He was a missionary kid to Africa. He traveled around the world, but he was very familiar with sheep. In fact, he said this about sheep. He said, if sheep were in a field and there was one sheep around a certain patch of grass, there would be another sheep that saw that and he would desire that grass. He would go over and he would headbutt that sheep out of the way so he could get that small patch of grass. Crazy, huh? Well, also, if a sheep would find a nice place to lay down under a tree or a bush, um, that same sheep who was desirous of that spot of shade would come over and would kick that other sheep out of the way so that he could relax in the shade. Crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen this um, out at a store or maybe, maybe around in the, a community with, with kids and toddlers. Toddlers are interesting. In fact, they're very similar to sheep, I think, in some cases. You would, have a, you would, see, a, you would see a kid that, that was holding a toy, and, and as they're holding that toy, they're playing with it for a few moments, and then after the time has gotten away, they discard that toy as they're done with it, they're finished with it. And another kid sees that toy and has been waiting for much of time and goes over and grabs that toy and all of a sudden that, that kid that could care less about that toy is thinking, hey, that's mine, give it back. And it, the kid didn't care about it, it was on the ground, but yet tries to take it, much like a sheep. And, um, and it's very interesting, the similations, uh, similarities between sheep and, and kids. Here David said, that God would provide everything for him. God would provide everything for him. There are times that, there are times too that um, we are very much like sheep, that we are very much like sheep. He says uh, in this passage that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There are times in my life that God desires that uh, as, as Saul, or excuse me, as David, here in this passage, he recognized who God was. In Psalm chapter 37, I think it's the next slide here, next week we'll be talking about Psalm 37, but as we do, I wanted to focus on this verse. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and be fed. This idea of trusting in the Lord or recognizing and realizing that the Lord is my shepherd boils down to this first word that we find in this passage, 
And that's the word trust. That word trust means to have confidence in or to rely upon. This idea of trust, so as we see trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. So if I were to take this principle, how is it that I trust in the Lord? How is it that I have confidence in the Lord? Well, what I do is I do what his word says. So if I were to take this passage, there's another correlating passage to this in in Thessalonians. The Bible says this, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't deserve to eat. And so if I were to take that principle, if I work hard, God's going to feed me. If I take this principle, how is it that I trust God? I do what he says. I work. I work hard. What's going to happen? I will be fed. This idea of trust and confidence is an amazing word. In fact, when you have trust and you have confidence in something, there's this reliability, there's this confidence that we have as individuals. I can remember on one time and one occasion where that wasn't the case for me. I was, I was not confident. I was not sure. But this time, to give you a little bit of understanding, I went to a high school, a, a Christian school, a Christian high school, two years uh, before I graduated. So my 11th and 12th grade year, in this, in this school, I was, I was really good at football. In fact, I was looking to play on the football team, and I worked, and I practiced, and I was great. I mean, I don't want to brag or anything or gloat, but I was really, really good. In fact, I was so good that I was on the defense and I was on the offense. Now, it really doesn't matter it was a flag football or that there was 12 or 13 people. That really doesn't matter. Put that behind you. I was on both sides, the offense and the defense. Now, as I was playing uh, during my junior and senior year, I was playing on defense as a a middle linebacker, and a middle linebacker kind of keeps control of everything that happens through the middle. And I can remember one play in particular as the, as the quarterback dropped back and he, he grabbed the ball and he, I realized that he was going to be going for a pass and I was ready. I was looking around and making sure that, that my area was covered. I saw a guy pivot off my left and he, he kind of was coming into, kind of coming into my area. I saw him lock eyes with uh, the quarterback and I understood this is my chance. This is my opportunity. I stepped in front of that guy. The quarterback launched the ball. And as, it, as he did, I stepped in front. I locked target on the ball. I jumped up as high as I could, and I grabbed the ball. It felt amazing. I almost wanted to look at him whenever I had the ball and give him a little nod, but I didn't want to be too prideful at that moment. I grabbed the ball, and as I grabbed the ball, I was bracing for the ground. I knew that the ground was going to be coming. I was kind of like this in this mode. And as I was coming down, I, I got my legs stable and I got it ready to brace myself for the landing. And as I did, I thought, I thought the ground should have, I should have hit the ground by now, but I didn't. And I fell for another couple feet. Maybe it was about six inches, but as I, as I came, as I came down and I braced, my leg gave and I hyperextended my, my knee. And as I came down uh, with the ball, it, it's, I, I don't need to explain if I kept the ball or lost the ball, but, but, <laughs> but that idea of confidence, of reliability, for the next several games, 
I was overcautious. I, I overprotected. You know why? Because there wasn't trust. I didn't trust myself. The problem in life is many times we look at other people and the, the relationships that we have with other people, and they've let me down. They broke a promise. They didn't keep the confidence that I thought that they should have. The trust that I had in them was broken. And oftentimes what happens is my relationship, or can I say my trust that I have in other people, is the same trust that I look at my position with God. And as a Christian this morning, I want to be careful and cautious to say this. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to share this with you. There will never be a time in your life that you said, man, I just wish I wouldn't have trusted the Lord. But I can guarantee there's been some times in our life that we said, I wish I would have trusted God. God wants us to understand, I can trust in the Lord. I can trust in God. We see here that David, as he makes that connection, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The longing for safety, this security, David said, God, Jehovah God, is my shepherd. Jesus says in um, the longing for safety we see here, John chapter 10 in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. In fact, just a few, uh, he says, and am known and know my sheep, and have known of mine. My sheep know who I am. He then says, just a few verses later in John chapter 10, a very famous passage in verses 24 to 30, the Jews come to him, the Pharisees and the Jews come to him, and they say, they say um, if thou be the Christ, if thou be the Christ, just tell us plainly. Just tell us who you are. And Jesus answered them, and he says, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep. Here, Jesus tries to convey to them, he says, look, I want to be your shepherd, but you're not my sheep. You don't believe me. You don't believe the works that I'm going to do. And as a result of that, you're not my sheep. Here, David says, he is my shepherd. The question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, who is the Lord to you? Who is the Lord to you? David knew exactly who the Lord was. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Let me put this a little bit more plainly in our vernacular. Maybe, you, maybe you're a stewardess or you, you uh, are a flight attendant on an aircraft and you, your job is flying. You take care and you serve other people. If we were to put this in our vernacular today, this passage, might we say, the Lord is my pilot? Maybe we would be a, pol a police officer or we run traffic. Maybe if we were to say this verse is a little bit more personal to us, we'd say, the Lord is my captain. Maybe if we were worked in uh, produce or maybe a meat market at the, um, at the store at Smith's or another grocery store, we would say this, that the Lord is my superintendent. Maybe a construction site or a construction worker would say, the Lord is my foreman. But who is God to you? Who is God to you? You see, the truth of the matter is the Lord wants to be 
our captain. He wants to be he he wants to be a superintendent, but he wants to be a friend. He wants to be our friend. I think about this um, the thing ultimately that Jesus wants for our lives. Jesus came to this earth nearly 2,000 years ago. He came to this earth for one reason, because he knew that there was no way for us to be able to achieve eternal destiny going to heaven because of our sin. And Jesus knew that there was no way for us to be able to go to heaven. And so he, re- he knew that, he understood that, and Jesus came to this earth, he lived a perfect life, and the Bible says that he went to a cross that wasn't his to bear, it wasn't his punishment, but he did it to pay for our sins. And the Bible says that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead, proving that he's God. And Romans 10, 9 expresses it this way, that if we, uh, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess, call out, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, God doesn't want us to miss out on an opportunity to be with him in heaven. God wants us to know for sure we're on our, he- on our way to heaven. You say, why is that? Because the Lord wants to be our savior. More than anything, he wants to be our savior. We see here that David had this understanding of who Jesus was, him personally. He personalized Jehovah to him, but also there's this idea of gratification of sufficiency, gratification of sufficiency. That is, he is my guide. He is my guide. Notice what he says there in verse two. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, if you were reading this passage during this time, this would have been about a thousand years before Christ. If you were, if you were a Hebrew, if you're from the, the tribe of Israel, you were reading this passage, you would have known several things which I would love to be able to explain to you this morning. Now, a sheep is not somebody. They're defenseless animals. And so many times, a sheep does not lay down. Because if it was going to be attacked, it wanted to have a head start in where it was going. And so you would never, hardly ever find a sheep that's actually laying down. And on top of that, this, uh, the sheep, um, though they were defenseless, they would sleep standing up most of the time. But here in this passage, as we see, in fact, let me read it again. It says that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, almost kind of uh, gives the personification that he is, God is manipulative, but not in the slightest. It says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The idea is this, is that God gives us so much green pastures, I have nothing but to do than to lie down. God provides for my, for my every need, and God does that in such a phenomenal way. As he does this, as God, as God provides for my needs, the Bible says that he leadeth me, I'm sorry, in verse two, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. So as God leads me, he guides me, he gives me guidance, he, he brings me to a water that's still. I've been told that sheep can even be scared by their own reflection. Ripples in water are very, are very troublesome to sheep and they won't drink out of it. Whenever they come to a calm, a calm uh, area, they'll many times drink. And the Bible says that God leads us to a place that's calm, that's peaceful. We see here that God is our guide. As God is our guide, we'll notice um, uh, in 
So the gratifications of sufficiency. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's something that we should say, or we should understand about this idea of peace. I want to focus on the last two passages, just last two verses of this passage, where it says, I know. In Ecclesiastes 3, 9, uh, be about 12 and 13. If you don't have this verse down, I would definitely highlight it. It's a great verse to, to put to memory. He says, I know that there is no good to them, but for a man to rejoice... Man desires to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should, what's the next word? Eat, and what's the next word? Drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. God's desire for us is that we enjoy the work that we have done. The Bible says there in the last, the last six words, it is the gift of God. You know it's completely fine to enjoy what you, what you do and what you've earned? It's completely fine to do that. In fact, God says it's his gift. This Tuesday up at Mount Charleston, at um, Foxtel Campground, the doors will open up or the gates will open up at 10 and, and they'll, they'll be open till about 6. But the thing I love about that is that many will be up there. Probably hundreds of people will be up there. We'll fellowship together. We'll enjoy each other. We'll have a good time together and we'll rest together. It is okay to find rest in God. The American way, though, is very much pushes against that, doesn't it? You gotta go. You gotta keep going. You, you gotta hit that next promotion. You gotta keep going. Don't stop. But God says, it's okay to rest. It's okay to put things on pause. And sometimes we just have to be reminded, God said there, he leads me beside still waters. I just need to take a rest. It's okay. Don't feel guilty by taking vacation. Don't, don't, don't be, oh, I, I just, I, 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 gotta, I gotta do the next thing. I, tomorrow's work, let me get everything. No, take a break. Take a break. In fact, I need, a, I need your help with a little bit of a poll. The next slide, I believe, is, yeah, so the next slide is a, a hospital room. So hospital room, over the course, of, there's about four slides here. I need your help. And so over these four slides, I want to see what may provide you with rest. Maybe you go into the hospital, you're like, oh yeah, seeing the hospital here, oh yeah, that provides rest. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe it is, I don't know. But um, number two is, is sunset. Looking out, oh yes, where's my nice iced tea? And um, the next one, the next slide is something that we're we're all familiar with. Maybe some of us enjoy it. It's, oh yeah, don't you know this? All too familiar with the state bird. You know the one, the orange one that stands up, that, that hovers around the road, the cones and stuff. You know the state bird. Yeah, so, so yeah, traffic. We're, we're very familiar with this. Or this last one here, uh, if you've ever waken up at five in the morning, you know, all around there's construction going on. Okay, so hospital, the beach, traffic or construction. Throw in your vote. Let's see where it is. One, hospital. Two, beach. Three, traffic or four, construction. Let me see it. Let me see it. All right. Doing a little. All right. You know, I, I think it's just about unanimous. I, <laughs> except for Steve and a few others. They're like, yeah, four. Give me the construction. And uh, nice, nice. I got an area for you to kind of live to be in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, why do we want that? Why do we want to? Because we want rest. We, we desire it, but sometimes in our life we think, if I actually get rest, I'm not being productive. But God says, you know what? 
It's a gift. God desires that gift in our life. So we see the personal recognition, personal recognition, but if we desire to overcome fear in our life, there has to be that personal recognition. But number two, number two is this, acceptance, um, the enjoyment of life I just shared with you, acceptance and overcoming. If I desire to overcome fear in my life, there is this personal recognition of God. Who is God to you? What is God to you? He's somebody that wants to be my savior, but he wants to be personal in my life. Secondly, it's this idea, if we desire to overcome fear in our life, be fearless, we need to accept and overcome. Accept and overcome. Fear is one of the seven universal emotions that everyone experiences at some time. In fact, it's around the world. Fear arises with threat of harm, emotion, psychological, uh, real, or imagined. There's this fear that isn't really there, but it's an imagined fear, and so it creates this emotion within us, and there is fear many times that, that drives us to do things. Fear in and of itself isn't a bad thing. It's not bad to have fear. However, if I give in to fear, and that fear, the more I give in to fear, that's where I should be cautious because that's where fear controls my life. And if I'm not careful, what happens is I do things then based upon fear instead of based upon trust. And that's a dangerous place to live. As we look at this, David was writing, and he says this in verses, verses of 4 and 5. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. As we focus on that, that verse number four, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we apply this, this passage when I'm in the moments of dying. And I think it probably could be, uh, we could apply that in that moment. I, I don't fear death. I don't fear evil that may come. But if, the, if when David was writing this, as he was taking sheep down into Palestine, as he was taking sheep through these valleys, what there would be is oftentimes there would be these, these in this valley point, there would be ravines. There would be holes that he would go by. And at nighttime, as the sun began to set, these holes would be great place for hiding, for a predator, an animal, to find food. And that lion or, or other animal would jump out and take one of those sheep captive or even kill. Sometimes thieves would hide in these caverns and these kind of crevices and, and they would go and they would even kill a shepherd to be able to take a flock for themselves. Understand, uh, realizing that passage, can we read it again what it says David here, as he says and expresses, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. As he's walking through this ravine, he doesn't know what's around the next corner. He doesn't know what's hiding in front of him. He can't see it, but he knows who can see it. And he says, going that way, I'm not going to fear what's going to happen. Can I express it even further? We see here that fear 
has perspectives. Fear has perspectives. In fact, David's writing in Psalm 2, and he says, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. He realizes that God is watching over us. As we understand that fear has perspectives, I want to further illustrate that if you don't mind. I took this, uh, this photo um, uh, several days ago, and as you're looking at it, this is a picture of our car. Not to worry, I wasn't driving. Um, I, was, I was parked here. But you'll notice hanging from my, my uh, rearview mirror there is an air freshener. Sparkle. And so we're going to call that our fear, our fear air freshener, okay? Now let me ask you a question. You see the fear air freshener? We all have those. They may be called different things, but we all have fear air fresheners. Um, you see that air freshener? And on the side of the street, you see several vehicles there, right? You see several vehicles there. Now, let me ask you this question. What is larger? Like, uh, is there a right answer, wrong answer? Is any answer? Isn't the air freshener? You look at it. You look at that far. You look behind the air freshener. There's a large-sized car there, right? There's two of them, in fact. But, but as you're looking at that air freshener, you can almost feel like you can take that air freshener and even cover up those other vehicles. But in reality, what's larger? The cars. Now, here's the point. Fear has perspectives. The problem that you're going through, the challenge, the difficulty that you're going through, I don't know what it is, but I know that we all have them in life. As you see the problem, many times we think, we think, God, Where are you at? And our problem that we have is the fear air freshener. That's the problem we had. But if we notice that God on the other side of that, using him as the vehicle, the problem isn't the size. The problem is the perspective. And we say, God, you're so far from me. I don't understand, God. I don't know where you are. I'm facing this. I'm all alone. God, where are you? And the problem is we are closer to our problem than we are to God. And as a result of that, we're thinking, God, where are you? And he's like, come here. Come unto me all ye that are heavy and laden, and I will give you rest. But yet our focal point many times is on the air freshener. Whenever the car could just drive right over that air freshener. But yet fear has perspectives, doesn't it? It really does. I would challenge us this morning to get close to God. Because the closer that we get to God, the smaller our problems get. Not only, do our, not only do our problems, our fear have perspectives, but also we see that fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. I want to share with you a little bit of, in, a, in a funny sort of way how fear is contagious. My favorite, one of my favorite candies, I have several, but one of them is Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids are incredible. I love Sour Patch Kids. They're good because they're sweet and they're sour. You chew on them, and they're like, whoa, this little, it's good. And then you chew on it for a little bit, and then it's, and then it's sweet. It's like, yeah, this is nice. And then you grab some more. Favorite part is when you, they're all gone, and you take the bottom. You know what I'm talking about? All that stuff at the bottom, you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Enough. It's like, it's like Christian crack. You know, it's good stuff. I mean, I mean, it's like, I gotta have another one. Yeah, where's it? I'll be back, babe. Yeah. 
It's really good, right? And uh, they're really good stuff. And, uh, and so I love them. My favorite color is, is yellow. And because my wife's favorite is green. And we did have, we did, well, my, my favorite is yellow. And so, um, and so I love yellow. Yellow is my favorite color. And so as I'm telling you this, I'm talking about this. Would you be honest with me? How many of your glands, like saliva glands, are like secreted? Yeah, they're like, you know, I'm not, I, I just, I got to have, maybe so you're like, I just got to have some. And um, yeah, I'd probably say that a good, we've, we've kind of salivated a little bit. You know why? As I'm sharing that with you, there's experiences that you've had that as you've eaten Sour Patch and the memory comes to mind and you're like, yeah, that was good. Oh man, I got a little bit more saliva in my mouth than usual. You know why? Because it's contagious. I've heard that talking about something can bring this attraction to somebody. Um, but also, you know what does that? Fear. Fear is contagious. In fact, in Numbers, the Bible talks about there was a group of people that went, they were supposed to spy out a land and as they were told to come back and bring a report, they came back and 10 men, they said, yeah, I don't think this is for us. Let's stay here. And those men began to spread around in fear all amongst the camp. There were two people, though, that stood up and said, let's go, let's go. And the whole nation of Israel was swayed by 10 men, 10 people. Why? Because not only does fear have perspective, perspectives, fear is contagious. And you have to squelch fear. You have to eradicate fear. You have to put a chokehold on fear. You really do. But also, if we're not careful, we'll see, fear has controls. But we have to ask ourselves this question first. Why does fear control us? There's a few reasons here that we'll see in our notes this morning. One is is because of a lack of experience. Maybe we just have not been able to go across that bridge yet. And because we haven't faced that challenge, because we haven't understood this principle, we've not crossed into that land before, we have a bit of fear, and that fear, if we're not careful, can consume us. Secondly, is because we have forgotten God's provisions in our life. God has led us over that bridge. God has led us through that challenge. But we failed to remember God's deliverance. And as a result of that, as we're crossing over into this another time again, we forget. The children of Israel had a great way to remember. They took stones wherever they went. And those 12 stones they, they built up. And it was a constant memorial to help remind them. In our life, one of the things that I would encourage us to do is, is to have a thankful journal. A thankful journal. You say, what's that? Every time that God does something great in your life that you write down, whenever you have a discouraging moment, maybe you're crossing a similar, uh, a similar path, you look back to that thankful and grateful journal and you said, oh yeah, the God that did is the God that still can. The difficulty that I faced, he'll do it again. He will allow me to have victories. And sometimes the fear that overwhelms us is because we've forgotten God's provisions. Maybe it's because of our background. Our background. Maybe there's been things that have happened to us that we have a difficulty with trust with others. And, and I'm not saying that the person that's gone to you, you go back and try to, that's hurt you. I'm not saying that necessarily go to them, but that, that fear that you have is hindering you from building another relationship which will bring help and healing in your life. But yet fear 
has secluded us, isolated us to the point where we don't. Maybe there's a fourth one. We're listening or surrendering to the voices of the enemies in our enemy in our life. Satan says, you can't. Satan says, you're not good enough. Satan says, nope, nope, you can't do this. You can't have victory. Remember you failed last time. Maybe we lack, fifthly, maybe we lack trust or reliance with God. This idea of a lack of trust or reliance. God says, you can overcome fear. We see um, that fear has controls. Fear has controls in my life. As I understand this, that fears have controls. God wants us to overcome these challenges in my life. Psalm, the Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 4, he says this, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He says, I won't fear the evil that comes. Remember, this is David that's walking through. He, he could die at any moment. There could be a thief. There could be an animal that comes out. Now, just remember this. God delivered David. Remember whenever there was a lion that came out. There was a bear that came out, and he destroyed that. And the same God that helped deliver him will do it again. And God wants us not to fear. He says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This passage in Hebrews, I love this passage. In fact, this might be a great passage to write down in Hebrews chapter 13. Um, let's see here. Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible says, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee. Now, it's one thing for somebody to say, you know, um, I'm going to be here most of the time. I'll only be gone a couple times. It's one thing to say that and the assurance that you can have with that, but God doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'll be here most of the time. 99.9% of the time, I'll be there. Um, He doesn't say that. He says, I will never, never leave you. But he doesn't just say that. He says, nor forsake you. God is always there with you. The difficulty that you face, the challenges that you face, the Bible says, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God wants me to know and realize in my life that we can have great victory amongst the difficulties and challenges that we face. He then says this, thou preparest a table before me and the presence of mine enemy. Here, David knew what it was like to eat with his enemies. As he sat at a table with Saul, just just seats away with Jonathan, his friend, his best friend, two times he gets up because he's trying to flee Saul. Why? Because Saul picks up a javelin and throws it right his direction. But yet, what does God do? He gives David safety. He protects him. The Bible says here, as David's writing this, Lord, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. I'm not sure at work which difficult person that you have to go to work with. I don't know. Maybe they say bad things about you. Maybe they do bad things to you in a work environment. I don't know the challenges that you face. But the same God of David is the same God of us this morning. And he says, if God prepares a table before us in the presence of his enemy, he'll do it he'll do it for us as well. God will protect us. In fact, he's giving us two things that he says David talks about. David says the rod uh, and the, the staff, they bring comfort to me. Now, as you look at these two objects, you see that one is a little bit uh, short and uh, almost like that bat, that rod. 
It was a heavy club-like thing, almost like a small baseball bat. But that club was, as he's going through that valley, as he's going, not knowing what's going to come out of a certain hole or a place, he would take that club and he would smack an animal or maybe an individual or a person that was coming to try to take his flock. But that staff was meant for if uh, sheep were to fall into a hole, uh, that shepherd, while he's keeping watch over his flock, he would, he would take that staff and that crooked end at the bottom, he would wrap it around the neck of the sheep or maybe around the back legs, the hindquarters, and he would pull that sheep up to safety. The Bible says here that, God's bring, that God brings safety to us as well. As we understand this, let me give us some steps in our life that to overcome our challenges. I believe that these are in your notes as well. Um, steps to acknowledge and overcome fear in my life. This, the first is this, is look for areas of hesitancy or abandonment. Maybe there's a certain area that I'm very hesitant to go into. If you don't have these, you can write them down beside in the margin of your notes. He says, uh, or this idea of hesitancy or abandonment. You're like, I don't want to do this because, and your heart starts pumping because you know there is this fear there. Look for those areas. Number two is I would say this, recognize that as a weakness. That idea of fear. Now, use that as a way to say, God, is this a weakness in my life? Should I be having a relationship with people or should I be connecting with others? God, should I be secluded in my life? And look for those areas of weaknesses. Number three is I would say, ask God for strength. Ask God for strength in your life. Number four is, is make goals. So we've used a, a situation over and over again this morning. Maybe there's a relationship that we have with others that as a result of that, we are limited to reaching out to people. Maybe a good goal this morning would be, you know what, I'm going to make two new friends. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to make myself vulnerable to two people, and I'm going to be like, hey, my name is, maybe it's in a church setting, maybe it's in a work setting, but you're saying, my name's Neil. What's, what's your name? And get to know somebody new. Get to know somebody new. You say, that's, that's tough. Maybe it's, maybe it's an area. You know what? You can find victory over that. You can see God find great successes in your life overcoming fear. Maybe it's the idea of sharing your faith. And thinking of sharing your faith, you're very like, oh, I don't know about that. That's tough. That's tough. There was a, a couple we were taking through discipleship some time ago, um, several years ago, and um, we gave them the challenge. We said, hey, have you ever handed out a track? They're like, no, we've never handed out a track. We said, your goal this week, your challenge this week is to hand out a track, uh, uh, inviting somebody to church. So take out a track, take that. And they said, okay. Well, I said, you're going to do that? Yeah, we're going to do that. And so for some of us, you'd be like, that's, that's pretty simple. For, not for this couple. They were like, oh, this is, this is tough. This was very challenging. But they, they said, we're going to do it. They said they prayed over the whole week. We met the following week. They said, we prayed over the whole week. God, lead us to the person that you want us to have, us to give this to. They prayed and prayed. They went through, they went through a drive-through. They thought, this will be easy. If, uh, if they reject it, we can just, you know, drive right off and, you know, it's, it's done, it's over with, it's good. They go up to the window and they paid for, for their items and they said, can I, excuse me, can I give you something really good to read? He said, oh, yeah. He said, oh, can I give you this? This is an invitation to where I go to church. They said, they took it. They kind of looked at it and looked at them. And they were kind of like, do we pull off now? Do we, what do we do? And, and, they, and the person said this. 
As they took it, they said, we've been asking, we didn't know where to go to church and we've been asking, God, where do we go to church? And you gave us this. And this is exactly, thank you. You know, you ask God, God, lead me to the person that you want me to share the gospel with or maybe witness to. God will open up doors all across different opportunities for you. I said, what did you think about that after you handed it out? They said, I felt so good. Like it was like I wanted to hand another one out. And you know, that's exactly what happens. You know why? Because we're fulfilling our purpose. God wants us to be witnesses. We see here that many times fear hinders us from doing just that. However, I want to show you uh, the sixth thing is that look for, I'm sorry, make goals. Number four, make goals. Look for people or ways to help. Look for areas, ways to help. Overcome that fear. And then number six is strive for progressional change. Strive for change. Look for areas in your life that you are fearful of that you can take that step and overcome. And then our last point this morning is this. As I overcome fear, I have to, first of all, this personal recognition of who God is. God is our shepherd, but there are some challenges that I face. I have to accept those challenges, overcome those challenges, but then thirdly this morning, there I have to look for receiving the promises. That's found in our last verse this morning in verse number six of Psalm chapter 23. The Bible says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David ends this chapter with a beautiful reminder, a reminder that the same God who was benevolent to him, who was merciful to him and gracious to him and good to him, he says, he says those same principles, he says here in this passage, he says, surely, Surely, it's going to happen. What's going to happen? Goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Wherever I go, not too far behind me that's following me is goodness, God's goodness, his mercy. That's what's happening. Then he says, not just a little bit, but he says, they shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because David was abiding where he needed to be. Where was that? In the presence of God. And he spent time with God. This morning, I don't know what challenge you're going through. I don't know what difficulty. I don't know what fear you're facing. In fact, as I close, I would love to share an illustration of really the fear that happens in our lives there's been two, t- two times in my life that I, I nearly drowned. One was in Florida. Um, growing up, I got caught in an undertow and nearly pulled me out. My mom came out, and to this day, uh, it was, she was in about waist, waist deep or maybe chest level water, and to this day, she won't go into about ankle level because it, had, it was so traumatizing. She came out uh, to where I was, and it just sucked and pulled us out. Um, the second time was out here, in uh, Las Vegas, we went to um, Lake Mead with some friends, and um, as the boat was coming in, um, the boat, um, I had this great idea um, to jump out and to, we didn't want to coast into the shore because of all the rocks, so I got this great idea, I'll jump out and I'll kind of pull the boat to, to shore, that's a really good idea, you know, I can handle this. The stupid thing that I did is I didn't put on a life vest. And I jumped out of the boat, and I, I had the cord that was tied to the boat, and I'm starting to swim and pull. I thought I, could, I was going to be able to touch the bottom, but as I jumped out and I had gotten probably about 20 yards away, I was starting to try to pull this boat with 
all the people in the boat. And when you think about it, you're like, yeah, that was pretty stupid. And, <laughs> and I was wondering if anyone was going to laugh. Yeah, that was dumb. And I'm pulling, pulling, pulling this boat with all my muscle, um, with all my strength. And about two minutes probably into this, maybe it was longer or shorter, I kind of lost track of time. But as I stood there, my body was completely empty of every ounce of strength that I had. I was helpless. In fact, I can remember dunking under the water to try to touch the ground to see if maybe I can walk to shore because I was just depleted of any energy. I go under the water and I can remember seeing the, the sky and, and I went down probably about two or three feet. I didn't touch any ground and I thought, oh no. I can remember going back up to the water and I can remember saying, help. And my dad taught me this one thing and this was the thing that really saved, I believe, saved my life. He taught me to float on my back and I didn't have any ounce of energy left. I had absolutely zero. I did everything impossible. I'm, I f- kick my feet back and I'm, waves are smacking me in the head and water's going to my mouth, little water's going to my mouth and I'm, I'm just doing everything I can to stay afloat in my life. And that was just enough time for them to come over and throw a lifesaver my way. I tell you that story because I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you're the one that's trying to pull the rope and you've expended all of your energy. Maybe you're the one that's just laying there thinking, would somebody just please come by for help? Maybe you're the one that's in the boat and you're the one that's around people and maybe you, you see people in your workplace and you're, there's people that you need to help. I don't know which person you are this morning, but I, I know in the, a crowd this size that there's people of all different varying walks of life. God says this, or David says this, the Lord, he's my shepherd. He watches over me. And may this morning we remember that truth, that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And that difficulty that you go through this week, maybe you want to take this passage and just read this over a time or two again. But God wants to be our shepherd. God wants to be our friend. God wants to be our savior. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for this truth from your word, how that you want to guide our life. Lord, you want to help us to face our fears. In our life, we can be fearless. But Lord, it it won't come without you. And I pray, God, that as we see that fear has perspective, it has control, it's also contagious. I pray, God, that you would help us to overcome the fear that we're facing this morning. I pray, God, that you would bless our time together. And Lord, may we make decisions this morning that really would impact eternity. And I pray that you would bless our times together. In Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.